Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, it says, In the year of King Uzzah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. So you, you have to understand, if you just read that, you're just like, okay, that's great. The Lord has a throne and he has a train, okay? But I want you to really understand this. If you see this picture of a king, kings back in ancient civilization, they would have these long trains. Some women, when they get married, they have these long trains. Y'all ever seen it before? But in those times, when kings had long trains, it was because of every kingdom that they conquered. And so what they would do is, when they would defeat one king, they would take that king's robe and stitch it on his train. Then they would go and conquer another nation and another kingdom, defeat another king, tape his, take his robe and stitch it on his train. So when the Bible says, I saw the Lord sitting high on the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple, what Isaiah is really trying to get us to understand is our God is undefeated. Every kingdom I conquered, every principality I conquered, every nation I conquered, and my train is filling the temple, which means I take no ills. I have no losses. I don't even have any enemies. Nobody's in my league. I'm in a league owned by myself. And just in case that doesn't encourage you, I want you to know your daddy does not make losers. So everybody who claims to be a son of the king, everybody who claims to be a daughter of the king, you get an inheritance of his record because in Christ we are all victorious. We're not victims, but we're victorious. Our king sits on the throne. Let us pray. God, we thank you for this moment. Thank you for being our undefeated king. Thank you, God, for the rain. Teach us to look at nature so that it can always educate us for the simple fact that the rain is needed for us to embrace being planted. And I thank you that all of the study means absolutely nothing if you aren't magnified, if you aren't glorified. We have, we have ushered in your presence by praise and worship, saying, God, get yourself some glory. Anoint my lips and my tongue to be the oracle, the PA system of heaven. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agrees with that prayer, would you shout in the room, amen. 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 I need to just set the record straight, okay? This, this planted series is not for everybody. It's not for everybody. This planted series is for those who are no longer content with casual Christianity. If you're content with it, you can just sit there and look cute. But for the rest of us, this planted series is for those who are done with bare minimum Christianity. You are done with casual Christianity. You are done with honorable mention Christianity. You are done with lip service Christianity. You are done with crisis Christianity. You know what that means? I only call on Christ when I'm in a crisis because crisis shows us who Christ is. Is Jesus your ornament or is he your orbit? Already preaching. When he is your ornament, you just put him out when you need him. 
just when you want to look like you're a Christian, you just have a little ornament of, decor of decoration. But when he is your orbit, this is my life revolves around you. My peace revolves around you. My joy revolves around you. This series is not for everybody, but it is those, it is for those who have made a righteous resolve that I'm going to experience it. Every kingdom door that God has created for me to walk into, I'm not going to just shout about it. I'm going to experience it. The peace of God, I'm not just going to shout about it, but I'm going to experience it. Every blessing that has my name on it, I'm not just going to believe for it in faith, I'm going to experience it. And not just the good stuff, but also the hard stuff too. See, the surgical operation that the Holy Spirit has to have me go through, I'm going to embrace that too. The detoxing that I have to go through, I'm going to embrace that too. This series isn't for everybody. But it is for those who are tired of smelling the stench of an old place and an old thing. Because old spaces, old places, and old things have an odor. Like old milk stinks. Old broccoli stinks. This series is for those who where your bad attitude, your spirit says, that stinks. That, that's starting to stink. Enough with somebody else smelling it before me. My, my lust is starting to stink. This is for all of those who are like, I don't want to be content smelling musty in my spirit. I want God to wash me. If it wasn't inappropriate, I would tell you, look at your neighbor and say, uh, something stinks. Something, <laughs> something, something stinks. I'm done with old, stinky things, because that's not conducive for where God has taken me. That's not conducive for my assignment. I need to throw that out. That's not conducive for my purpose. I need to let it go. I just don't do people. Then why you want to be over them? <laughs> I don't. Why you want to be a boss? I don't do people, but you want to be over them? How about take several seats, boo-boo, <laughs> heal, get the therapy that you need, the biblical intelligence, the healing, and the discipleship that you need. How about lead that position, that leadership position, for somebody who loves people? No judgment, just heal. Just heal. This, this is for those who are tired of old language. Like, my mouth is filled with profanity Monday through Saturday. But then miraculously, I feel somebody's toes. But then miraculously, for 90 minutes on Sunday, you know churchy colloquialisms. I'm blessed and highly favored and a God-fearing Christian. I'm the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. Go out in that parking lot and let somebody splash you, though. <laughs> this is for those who are like, that, that, that stinks. Somebody say that stinks. I love fishing, and I'm going to give you a real example. I love fishing, and I got back to Houston. I was with a few of my brothers. We got back maybe 1 or 2 in the morning. We were washing the reels and washing the tackle box, and we were just talking, and they went home. And the next morning, I had to come to the office, had to come to church, and I get in my truck, and I, I, I smell this stench. So I start looking around, looking at my shoe, and I'm like, man, what, what is that smell? It was kind of faint, 
but it was irritating me, right? So I, I rolled the windows down and I start driving. Y'all, when I rolled the windows down, the smell got worse. <laughs> and I'm wondering, where is this smell coming from? I get to the church. I have to run in here for about two or three hours. On this particular day, it was kind of warm. It was about 92 degrees or so. So when I leave the church and I get back in my truck, it is like just permeate my whole truck. I'm like, okay, what is this? I'm not going nowhere until I figure out what this stench is. So I look in all under the seats and I look in the back of the truck. I don't know which one of my brothers did it, but one of us left a bag of shrimp in the back of my truck. Y'all know shrimp can stink. <laughs> That's probably why I don't really like shrimp, but I, I, I saw maggots, flies, larvae. I don't know who did it, but I had to clean it. See, a lot of us are blaming people, but you're the only one that could throw away the shrimp. Somebody caught it. I don't do church. You're the only one that could throw away the shrimp, though. My mama hurt me, but you're the only one that could throw away the shrimp. Blaming them is not going to cause for the odor to go away. I can call each and every one of them, but I still have to deal with the shrimp. So watch this. I take the bag of shrimp, throw it away, start driving, and y'all guessed it, I still smell it. So I start driving a little faster. <laughs> All the windows down. And I still smell it. I get back in my driveway, and the reason I was still smelling it is because even though the bag of shrimp was gone, the residue wasn't. There was still, this is so good, y'all. The residue was still on the back of my truck, so I had to wash it. I took my Old Spice body wash, threw it on the back of the truck, was scrubbing. I had bleach. I had to wash it. You know what God wants to do with this series? Wash away the residue. You're mine, but there's still some stuff that stinks. There's still some afterbirth on you. There's still some trauma on you. There's still some toxicity on you. This is not questioning who you are. This is not questioning your faith. Will you let me wash the residue? Because until you do, I still will smell a stench. And it took for me to do some research to figure out why is my truck stinking and I didn't put the shrimp there. I didn't put it there, but I had to handle it. What are you praying for God to do? What miracle are you asking God to do in your life? And he says, this doesn't require a miracle. This requires mechanics. This doesn't require a miracle. This requires discipline. This doesn't require a miracle. This requires a different diet. See? 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 Some of us are like, thank God the fast is over. <laughs> One of the worst things you could do today is try to go get two hot and spices with cheese from McDonald's, some apple pies, Popeyes. That's not only would that jack your stomach up, but you're missing the point. I need to have God purge whatever in me stinks. Whatever, I'm putting myself here, whatever is not a sweet aroma in your nostrils, God, remove it. Somebody say, remove it. Remove it. So what God is trying to do is to wash us so that we could get planted 
And what is going to be required for this 2023 calendar year, if you want to experience spiritual results, is for us to A, be planted, but we're going to talk about on today to be focused. The Holy Spirit is talking to us and saying, you need a higher level of focus. Two foundational scriptures that we're going to park on that are going to serve us, be our waiter for our sermonic journey on this afternoon. First is Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. And then we're going to do a little hopscotch over to 1 Peter chapter 5. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. And then we're going to go over to 1 Peter chapter 5. If you do not have a tangible Bible, you can just look on the screen. So this is the model prayer. We're not going to read all of it. I could really do a whole series just from Jesus' prayer alone. But I want us to notice something. It starts off in verse 9 by saying, In this manner, therefore, pray. That's a whole series. We should be praying. In this manner, pray, our Father... In heaven, hallowed be your name. The word hollow means to make holy. So when he says hallowed be your name, he's saying, Father, demonstrate your holiness for your name's sake. Holy means to be set apart or to separate. Demonstrate how set apart you are for your name's sake. Show everybody that you're boss. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Not ours, but whose? Yours. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day. Somebody say today. today. Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus is not asking for weekly bread. He's not asking for monthly bread. He's saying, teach us to focus on daily provision. Give us this day our daily bread. Then Peter comes along in 1 Peter chapter 5 and says, all right, now be alert. Be alert. Be focused and of sober mind. Why, Peter? Because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like. Somebody shout like. like. He's not a lion. He tries to act like the lion. Do we catch that? He's not the lion, but he's prowling, roaming around like a roaming lion, looking for someone to devour. I want to speak around this thought for this subject for just a few moments on this rainy Sunday afternoon. I can't afford to not be focused. Maybe it's just me. Online, maybe it's just me. I can't afford to not be focused, not in this season, not with what I'm asking God to do. I can't afford to not be focused. Can I get us to say this confession and everybody watching, put, the, put this in the room in all caps. Can I get us to say, Father, Father clear, the clear the mental fog, clear the mental haze, clear the mental haze. Sharpen, my focus. sharpen my focus. I will give you, will give you 100. 100. Again, Father, Clear the mental fog. Clear the mental haze. Sharpen my focus. I will give you 100. Not 90, but 100. 
Not 70, but 100. Not some of me, but 100. Not a part of me, but 100. Not when I feel like it, but 100. Not when my friends say I should, but 100. I will give you 100. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, in our foundational text in Matthew, Jesus is really articulating to us seven profound perspective submerged words that we're going to dissect even more as we navigate through our shamanic journey on this afternoon. And those seven words are, give us this day. Give us this day our daily bread. Peter says, now, if you're going to Get the daily, you're going to have to be alert, meaning focus. Have mental sobriety, focus. You must have a sober thought process, focus. You must have some sober methodology to the way you process content, intel, and information. This means your head has to be clear. You need to be alert because for this season of my life, maybe it's just me, but this season of my life, my focus is too critical. Maybe it's just me, Miss Flowers. My focus is too critical. I have to protect my focus. I can't afford to be high. I can't, I can't afford to be. My focus is too critical. I have to fight to protect my focus if I'm going to be planted. I got to focus. I got to focus. I, I have to focus. I can't afford to be intoxicated with nothing. Not with chronic, not with Hennessy, not with gin and juice. I can't afford to be intoxicated with a wrong pick. I can't afford to be intoxicated with wrong conversations. I can't afford to be intoxicated with counterfeits because for this season, my focus is too critical. I have to guard and protect my focus, I have to guard and protect my focus. I can't afford to walk around with an unhealed mind. Because an unhealed mind alters personalities. Did y'all hear what I just said? An unhealed mind alters personalities. There was a person that you were before the trauma. There was a personality that you had before the breakup. Come here. There was a personality that you had before that event that was needed for your assignment, that was needed for your destiny, that was needed for your calling. And the enemy will try to partner with trauma to alter your person. And you'll walk around with the unhealed mind and claim a personality that's not yours. So I got to heal. I got to heal to get the version of me back that God created for me to have. I can't afford to walk around with an unhealed mind. Somebody shout, I got to focus. I got to focus. I got to focus. I can't afford to walk around and not have mental sobriety. Why, pastor? Because you have an enemy. Are y'all seeing how this connects? You have an enemy. So not only is there a fight to be planted when everything else around you is telling you that quitting is a viable option. Not only is it a fight to be planted when you're grinding and hoping and praying and believing, but you don't see any fruit yet. Not only do I have to fight that. Not only is it a fight because your mama and them 
your friends in them are telling you it's not worth it. It don't require all of that. Not only is it a fight to be planted because I keep on leasing my ear to unplanted people. Did y'all hear what I just said? I'm telling you prophetically, one of the worst things you could do right now in this season is to befriend unplanted people. Because it's going to be harder for you to be in the will of God when your circle is cool with not being in it. See that? See? I know. It's going to be harder for you to be in the will of God when your friends are cool with being out of it. Not only is that a fight. Not, not only is it a fight to believe when everything is telling me to doubt. I have to also fight to stay focused. Fight to stay disciplined. Stay, fight to believe. Somebody say fight. I want you to know what focus really means. I have several definitions, so you all have to be ready. First definition of focus is the pursuit and the protection of wisdom. When you are focused, you are pursuing wisdom and protecting the wisdom you have, which is always a key on how you know when the enemy is behind somebody in your life when they try to get you to engage, engage in unwise activities. Because to be focused is for me to pursue and protect wisdom. I looked this up in the Hebrew and it messed me up. In Hebrew, the word focus means centralize. Centralize. So when I say I'm focused on the Lord, what you're really saying is I've made him my center. This is so good. When you are focused on the kingdom, this means the kingdom is my center. So the center of my marriage is kingdom. The center of my thinking is kingdom. That's what it means to be focused is to have him at the center. Now, remember I said this series is a series designed to get us to produce fruit, right? So this mango is about to preach a sermon. All like the, the way we can identify what fruit is, is all fruit has seeds. Any fruit that is seedless has been manipulated by man. It's a whole sermon. Anything that's seedless, girl, this ain't got no seeds in it. Man has manipulated it. And most of us prefer things that are seedless. Is it boneless chicken wings? Uh, bones, uh, chickens have bones. <laughs> I need bone. No, it has been manipulated by man. And so we look for things that have been manipulated, but then complain about manipulative people. <laughs> Every fruit has seeds in it. And you know where they are? At the center. Now look, this mango, when it started to grow, it didn't grow from the outside in. It started to grow from the inside out. What if the reason we don't see our prayers in operation is because we're asking for outside? When God is saying all of the stuff that you want on the outside will happen once I focus on the inside. Is this making sense? So the growth has to happen from the inside. And then once the growth happens on the inside, you know why you don't see the seed? It's because I protect my seed. <laughs> 
All men, protect your seed. This is not even in my notes. Protect your seed. It's not just how fine she is. It's a pattern of the enemy to foster broken households. You protect your seed from the inside out. There was a song. I don't know if y'all remember it. I mean, I'm new school, but I grew up old school. The, the, the song we used to sing in vacation Bible school, they'll say, Jesus, you're the center of my joy. Y'all remember that? And then we would all come together. All that's good and perfect comes from you. You're the heart of my contentment. Oh, for all I do. Y'all sound good. <laughs> Jesus, you're the of my joy. They were teaching me as a little boy, keep Jesus at the center. You know why you have so much anxiety? It's because your problems are at the center. You know why your lust is on fire? It's because your lust is at the... You know why your marriage is on life support? It's because your will is at the center. But focus in the Hebrew means centralized. Can I go a little deeper? Can I go a little deeper? The prefix sent means 100. So good, y'all. The prefix sent means 100. Like a cent is 100 of a dollar. Okay? Keep going. The concept of percentage means per hundred. 50% chance of rain. 60%. It is per hundred. In fact, century means 100 years. Y'all getting this? Centimeters is one hundredth of a meter. So when you're focused, you're giving one hundred. So powerful, y'all. When you're focused, it means for this season, for the rest of my life, I'm giving this one hundred. You do not have the right to remain silent. I want y'all to work with me. Left side, I'm going to ask you, what do you give? And y'all shout 100. And then on the right side, I want you to say nothing less. So you're going to say, you give 100 right side and nothing less. You give 100 right side. You give 100 right side. Hold on, y'all left too. Why y'all just quiet? I didn't forget about y'all. All right. So left side, what do you give? Right side. What do you give? 100. Right side. Less. It hurts. What do you give? 100. Right side. Divorce. What do you give? 100. Right side. It hurt my heart. What do you give? 100. Right side. Prayer hasn't happened yet. What do you give? 100. Right side. Somebody say nothing less. Nothing say nothing less. Nothing That's what God wants. When you're focused, I give it 100 and nothing less. Can we go deeper? Can we go deeper? In the Hebrew, the word sent also means fire. <laughs> Y'all were just singing, I want to be tried by fire, purify. And God's like, do you really know what to say? Do you, my child? <laughs> In Hebrew, 
Focus means fire. Now, as I was studying, I was kind of confused. Okay, I'm not getting the connection. God, help me understand what it is that you're saying. And this magnifying glass preached to me. I had to call my mom and say, man, this blessed my socks off. Because we are the light of the world. When light focuses, it starts fire. Some of us haven't got it yet. If the sun were to shine through this, whatever it's pointing on starts a fire. When God's people begin to focus, whatever they focus on, they'll start to see fire. If you want to grow in your relationship with God, then you have to start focusing because you're the light of the world. And when light starts to focus, it starts a fire. But it works the same way with evil. If you're focused on explicit websites and you're focused on pornography, in your spirit, it starts a fire. This is so powerful, y'all. Whatever you focus on starts to burn. I just got so many problems. You know why? It's because with that problem, we're focusing on it. So it's starting to burn. So now I'm wondering, it's almost the first it's almost the first. I don't know what I'm going to do. It's because I'm focused on an object that's causing for there to be a fire of worry in my soul. But Jesus is trying to get us to understand on today. If my people could focus on heaven, I want the kingdom to come in the earth as it is in heaven. And so, Jerry, I need you to preach to my people. If they're going to be planted, they're going to have to focus. Can I go a little deeper? What does the devil do when God's people get focused? He sends firefighters. They didn't get it, Warren. They didn't get it. Focus starts a fire. When hell sees you're focused, he sends firefighters. We call them distractions. We don't even recognize this. Ooh, y'all, I'm trying to... Pr okay, teach, calm down. <laughs> calm down. I want us to understand this. So when you start to burn in your devotion, the enemy yeah. <sighs> tries to put it out. When you start to burn in your prayer life, <sighs> he tries to put it out. What if I told you the reason Satan always tries to put out your fire is because fire scares him? Come here. Why does fire scare the devil? Because it's a prophetic reminder of his end. Did y'all hear what I just said? It's a prophetic reminder of his end. See, if you want to torment hell, catch on fire. If you want to torment the devil, catch on fire. 
Yeah, but you did this. Yeah, but you gonna burn one day. And you can't put this fire out. Every time a church gets on fire, it scares hell. Every time a ministry gets on fire, every time a daughter gets on fire, every time a son gets on fire, every time I worship gets on fire, every time I praise gets on fire, every time my commitment gets on fire, every time my servant gets on fire, every time my commitment gets on fire, every time my purpose gets on fire, it terrifies hell because it's a prophetic reminder that this is your end. I just feel this, y'all. Can we terrify hell and have a fire praise in the house right now? This is what revival sounds like. I'm focused. You can't put out my flame, I'm focused. You can't put out my passion, I'm focused. You can't put out my joy, I'm focused. You can't put out my peace, I'm focused. You can't destroy my marriage, I'm focused. Focus. Focus. Whenever the light of the world, which is you and which is me, whenever we focus, whenever we allow the sun to shine on us, <laughs> whenever we focus, we start fire. Could you be so tormented in your head because of what you're focused on? Because truthfully, I don't know, does my eye look bigger than this? Look bigger? Look bigger? Doesn't. Whatever you focus on, you magnify. So it looks bigger when you focused on it. Maybe, maybe this is why the texts encourage us to look to the heels where your help comes from. Because when I focus on my help, my help becomes bigger than my problems. Maybe the reason the text tells us, consider the lilies of the field. If you focus on how God dresses them, maybe that should magnify if he could dress some plants. How much more can he address those who are planted? Somebody say focus. Can't afford to not be focused. So what Jesus is saying is focus is when I'm when I'm at your center. Focus is when you give me 100. And the fruit of that is you become on fire. I need you to focus. So you don't have time to be distracted. If y'all only knew how many distractions were trying to hit me and my wife in this church this week alone. And this was coming up in my spirit as all of this stuff was happening. Jerry, you don't have time to be distracted. Your focus is too critical. My, my, my focus is too vital. Your focus is too momentous right now. And this season, you're going to have to be focused. Not the way that you're expecting God to do things this year. You can't be distracted. Not the way you're trying to heal from what happened. You can't be distracted. Not the way your heart is raging because of all of these withdrawals you have as you're trying to get new routines that are no longer engaging in self-sabotage. You don't have time to be distracted. God is trying to do something in your life 
And the enemy is trying to plant something in your life too. I don't know how many times I have to show us this, but it shows us that the word of God is truly inexhaustible. Matthew chapter 13, verse 27, an owner's servants came to him and said, sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this. So watch this. Whenever you are trying to get clarity, the enemy tries to bring confusion. I'm planting weeds, the enemy, I'm planting wheat, the enemy is planting weeds. I'm looking for clarity. So the enemy will try to bring confusion. Same time, same season, same soil. I want you confused. So God has a will, the devil has weeds. God has a plan, the devil has a scheme. God has a destination. The devil has a distraction. God sends God sense. The devil sends counterfeits. God has an open door. The devil will send a trap. So good. Because I'm trying to make you mismanage your focus. I want you focused on things that keep you dull. I don't want you to focus on being planted. I don't want you to focus on the instructions that God is trying to give you because I want to consume you. In this context, when it says the enemy goes about like a roaring lion seeking who he can devour, devour means consume. So what is the text saying? The enemy wants to consume you with worry. He wants to consume you with anxiety. I want you engulfed with depression because I know consumed souls give birth to clouded minds. Did y'all hear what I just said? Consumed souls give birth to clouded minds. So I can't see right, think right, or hear right because of my head, because of my thoughts. He knows that the thought can add a deep wound just like the act. Your head can wound you just like the actual event did. And he knows this, so I tried to consume their head. This is why we do therapy Thursday. Because I recognize whenever pain and wounds are at the driver wheel of your focus, your passengers become suicidal thoughts. Whenever pain and wounds are at the wheel Suicidal thoughts become passengers. Negative thinking becomes passengers. I'm trying to get us to a place where we are so in tune with the spirit that we can kick it out the driver's seat. I want you to be able to focus on me. I had this conversation with a brother years ago, and he was new to the faith. And he began to pray and all this stuff. And he said, man, I ain't going to lie to you, Jay. I'm going to stop praying. That prayer stuff don't work. <laughs> Ever since I started praying, my life got worse. <laughs> Ever have anybody? <laughs> so my life got wor worse. So I I'm done with all this prayer. And I said, man, I don't know if, if you're ready enough to handle this yet, but sometimes the proof that your prayer is working is opposition increases. 
Who, under the sound of my voice, is doubting God because you thought your prayer life gave you immunity? <laughs> when truthfully, the proof that your prayer is working is opposition increases. What did you pray, sir, that caused the enemy to get so terrified where he escalated his attack? I'm trying to help somebody who has been doubting, doubting God because of your shortcomings and your failures and your inadequacies. Hear what God is trying to tell you on today. There is nothing wrong with the way I made you. There is nothing wrong with the way I made you. It's just that you have routines to unlearn, generational worth of trauma and bad theology to unlearn, radical faith to embody, and wounds that have to heal. But at your core, nothing is wrong with the way I made you. I don't make mistakes. Yeah. Well, if I wouldn't have did that, God already knows. Nothing's wrong with you at the at the core of who you are. Jesus says, okay, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. And he focuses on the day. Give us this day our daily bread. And as I'm studying, preparing for this opportunity to serve you the word on this afternoon, I said, God, what is getting in the way of us valuing the daily bread? And he spoke back to me and said, it's because we love tomorrow. We love tomorrow. We love tomorrow, so we hate process. We're not, we don't have gratitude today because we love, y'all talk to me. We're missing red flags on today because we love tomorrow. I have anxiety on today because I love tomorrow. So put it this way. The reason we can't focus is because we're in love with tomorrow, traumatized from yesterday, so we can't focus today. Give us this day, our daily bread. We can't value daily because we love tomorrow. He doesn't pray for weekly. He doesn't pray for monthly. He says daily, daily bread. This is something that God is teaching me in real time. Like this is not, some preachers disagree. I don't know where they get this philosophy. You don't preach it until you've mastered it. I said, okay, uh, uh, Moses didn't know what he was doing yet. And God was using him the whole time. So I'm like, this is something God is teaching me publicly. And I'm learning this about him. Whenever you are a man or a woman who is focused, please hear me. Whenever you are a man or a woman who is focused, he always assigns mystery with purpose. The process is in partnership with mystery, meaning uncertainty. We, my wife and I could say, we have been uncertain where are we going to park. We have been uncertain how is everybody going to get here. We have been uncertain how is everybody going to fit. We have been uncertain where is the building. But God has teaching me publicly that I give you uncertainty to put your faith in the gym. Model before generation. I don't know how God is going to do it, but I know he's going to do it. 
I'm uncertain about what's going to happen, but I trust in my God. Uncertainty is the gym membership for your faith. You don't need faith if you have certainty. This is why it's hard, many times why Jesus said it's hard for the rich to inherit the kingdom of God. Because there's certainty there. You see, if, if uncertainty is a gym membership for your faith, certainty is an off day. <laughs> certainty is an off day. God, grow me up. Here's some uncertainty. I want to deepen your roots and make you more planted. Here's some uncertainty. Now, we hate uncertainty. Y'all don't want to be real. Let me go to this side. We hate uncertainty. Tiana, you know we hate uncertainty. We hate uncertainty. We loathe uncertainty. See, this might offend some people, but it's just facts. Certain people, God knows, your mental health, it's like you have to have a guaranteed salary. You have to. I know my child. I know my daughter. Your mental health and your mental peace is tied to you signing a contract, and you know for the whole 2023 calendar year, this is how much I'm going to make. Without that, you can't sleep. Without that, you can't eat. Without that, you have migraines. I will not have peace if I don't have certainty. But then there are certain people who are in ministry, and there are certain people who are entrepreneurs. It's not certain you're going to get any clients. It's not certain anybody's going to book you. It's not certain anybody, anybody's going to buy your product. It's not certain that anybody's going to come to your event. We have learned to trust the uncertainty. I don't have a certain paycheck. Every single week for years, my wife and I have been living on daily bread. Daily bread. I'm not minimizing those that need like, no, I need guarantee. I have to know every X got to be crossed, every I got to be dotted, every T, I, I got to know. God knows if that's you, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. But then God knows there's some people who are willing to step out of certainty and walk on uncertainty. See, the reason God wants you to be planted is for you to expose other people to the reality that a miracle can happen. Yeah. See, the only way Peter decided to step out of the boat is because Jesus exposed him to the possibility of defining the uncertain. If Jesus would not have exposed him to that, he never would have thought that it was possible. What if what God wants to do in your life is to prove to somebody else I could defy the odds? Yeah. Uncertainty. When we did our first redefined tour, it wasn't certain that anybody was going to buy tickets. I made a video not certain if any church was going to allow us to be at their church. I was uncertain if we were going to make the money back. I was uncertain on how we were going to pay for the airline tickets. I was uncertain if anybody was going to show up. But I just was willing to step out of the boat of certainty and try uncertainty. If you want to deepen your faith, the process is always in partnership with uncertainty. Uncertainty. What if the reason you can't focus is because you're focused on the uncertainty versus focusing on the one who's walking on the uncertainty? This is so good, y'all. I, I just don't know. I'm, I'm not certain if God's going to do this. Some of us can't be planted without making your own sprinkler system. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to rain. 
I know you said enjoy the rain, but I got to make my own sprinklers. So now you're exhausted. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to make something grow out of season. But if you would just trust that God is going to send the rain to everybody who is planted in him, I can't, I can't focus. What if, what if what I did was too bad? Okay. Carl, could you put the, the image back of the forest? I want us to really, really get this. Everything the forest is, is already inside of this pine cone. Hear me. Everything those trees are is already on the inside of this pine cone. Trees are already on the inside of this. It just has to be planted to become that. Everything that that is, this already is. It's already in you. The trees are already in you. The forest is already in you. It's just you're not going to become that if you're not planted. It's been in you the whole time. It's always been in you. It was in you when you were a little girl. It's always been in you. The trauma didn't make it go away. It's always in you. It was in you when you were in high school. If you think back about it, it was always there. It's always been in you. Come here, let me give you Bible. Abram, Abraham was always in you. It just took for you to get planted for you to experience it. Sarai, Sarah has always been in you. It just took for you to be planted for you to experience it. Come here, Jacob. Israel was always in you. It just took for you to be planted for you to experience it. Come here, Saul. Paul was always in you. It just took for you to be planted for you to experience it. Come here, Simon. Peter was always in you. It just took for you to be planted for you to experience it. I'm trying to get us to understand it's already in you. Somebody say it's in me. It's already in you. It doesn't matter what you've done. It's in you. Even when you were a child, why do you think the enemy was behind genocide when Jesus was born? Because it was already in him. It was already in you. So what hell tries to do is put stuff on you. So you could doubt what's in you. It's always been in you. Everything the forest is, this pine cone already is. I don't know if I'm good enough. It's in you. It's in you, and it's always been in you. That's why the attacks have been so intense, because it's always been in you. Remember, hell fights you from the forest level, not at the pine cone level. He just fights you, and you don't know why it seems so intense, because you see yourself like this. If I can get you to see this is in you the whole time, your confidence will be greater because it's been in you the whole time. The reason stuff that God is telling us doesn't make sense is because God is talking to you from here. Wow, you're right here. The reason you keep hearing, you need to fast until February. Don't get off on the 21st. I'm talking to somebody. Don't get off on the 21st. Go until the beginning of February 1st. The reason God is talking to you like that is because he's talking to you from this level while you are still at this level. The reason he's telling you you need to start saving now because you can't help poor people if you're poor. I can't help the broke if I'm broke. I'm eating my paycheck. And so he's like, okay, you're wearing your wealth. The reason I need you to live below your means is because I'm talking to you from here. 
while you're right here. If you only see yourself here, you'll be intimidated when God's talking to you like this. Is this making sense? I can't afford to not be focused. The warfare is over your concentration. It's over your concentration so that you can mismanage your efforts. We're in the first month of this year, and some of us feel like we already need a vacation. <laughs> Am I telling the truth? I already feel like I'm tired because when you're not focused, you mismanage effort. So you're using effort on stuff that doesn't matter. You're exhausted because all of your effort is used on people's fights that you're not graced for. I just want to help them. See, when you are a slave to the hero complex, you look for monsters. I just feel like I can help them. The hero complex has you looking for monsters. Jesus is the hero, not me. <laughs> I'm just a vessel. So what God taught me this week that really blessed me is the enemy loves horror stories, right? So he tries to get those horror stories in your head, right? What he really does is he gives you hypothetical. This is so good, y'all. Watch this. If you don't remember anything else of the sermon, remember this. The enemy tries to torment you with a hypothetical. The way you defeat him is with God's historical. He tries to give you hypothetical scenarios in your head. What if this doesn't work? What if this, what if, what if? The way you fight back is with historical. Last week, the same God that got me over that is the same God that gets me over this. So what if we reversed it? For all of those who overthink, reverse that. Start thinking over. So good. Start thinking over God's historical faithfulness. Start thinking over how he brought you through. Whenever you are bombarded with hypothetical, start to flood your mind with historical. I'm going to teach you how to fight, y'all. How do you focus? Number one, establish the vision. What's your vision? Establish the vision. You can't focus if you have no bullseye. What's the goal? No bullseye, you live life aimless. I have to, number one, establish the vision. And we learn to focus means to centralize that vision. It means to give that vision 100. I have to establish the vision. Number two, how do you focus? Remember to stare, not staircase. Stay with me. Remember to stare, not staircase case. Sanchez, follow me. The reason a lot of us are having so much anxiety is we look at the whole staircase. How are we going to get up there? Whew, I have to work out to get up there. I don't know how, but I'm trying to get you to remember the stair. Not the staircase. Man, I want him to change. Just focus on the stair. Not the staircase. See, when you focus on the staircase, you start to feel like it can't happen. Yeah. 
Y'all ever see a long flight of stairs? And you're like, man, the elevator broke. We're going to have to come back. <laughs> We're going to have to come back. But what God is trying to get us to see is just, just the process is just stare. Just stare. Daily. Daily bread. Daily. You be faithful today. I don't know if I can break the addiction. Just don't today. Daily. You are causing so much anxiety because you're looking at the staircase. When Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread. The freedom and the power to your focus is when you remember to stare, not staircase. I just helped somebody get free marriage counseling. What's wrong with him? You staircasing. Well, what about when we have babies? If he acting like this right now, I don't know. If, and that, look, he ain't responsible. I'm like, okay, you do grow. This is why you don't hold a record of wrongs. Because when you hold a record of wrongs, you can't see if they changed. All right. Number three, how do I focus? Identify firefighters. Identify firefighters. What causes for your, burn, your fire burn to start to decrease? Many of us, here's a clue. When you were fasting, what was raging the most? You don't have to say it out loud between you and God. <laughs> what was raging the most? Was it the TV? Was it your vibrator? And I'm serious. No jokes. What was raging the most? The devil would try to... Like, he'll get in your head, you already messed up. Why continue? You know what that is? Staircasing. You got 21 more days. I already watched porn. Why should I continue? How about start over daily? Just because you messed up today doesn't mean that you have to quit the whole staircase. Give us this day our daily. This is so powerful, y'all. Identify the firefighters. It's going to be hard for you to focus when you're burning for the wrong thing. Sis, it's going to be hard for you to burn for God when you're dating a firefighter. Bro, it's going to be hard for you to burn for God when all your homies are firefighters. Identify the firefighter. Number four, never omit the Sabbath principle. The reason some of us can't focus is just because you're tired. You tired? You ever try to study tired? I won't even try it. If I'm sleepy, I'll wake up early. I won't even try it because I want to retain the Sabbath principle. You must rest. Forget what culture said. I'll rest when I'm asleep. That's unhealthy. I'll rest when I'm dead. That's unhealthy. No, I need a nap. Jesus nap. We talked about that last week. And he was, woke up upset. Why you wake me up? Oh, you're a little faint. Never omit the Sabbath principle. Number five, atmosphere matters. Some of us, the reason you can't focus, look at your atmosphere. Atmosphere matters. If all of my clique is unplanted, what makes you think it's going to be easier for you to be planted? I'm just, you know, I'm just on fire for the Lord. No, you dim when you're around them. 
Well, Jesus went to the sinners. Jesus did not go to participate. He wasn't up in the club. Yeah, so what are we doing today, y'all? You know, the kingdom of heaven is here. No. He wasn't participating. Take that out of context. Jesus, he had lunch with sinners. Yeah, but he wasn't getting high with them. If you're going to be a light, be a light. If they'll dim your light, know that. I dim when I'm with them. And recognize, okay, maybe it's, it's them right now because I got to focus. Atmosphere matters. And lastly, the routine works. The routine works. Carl, if you could put my chart back up, we're going to go home. The routine works. This is the process, y'all. It's divinely downloaded from heaven, and it works. Once you're planted, then God will give you roots. You will experience rain, and you will bear fruit. It's not if. This works. It's Bible. Sound theology. This works. You have to be planted to get roots. Everything that God wants you to be starts right here. And I applaud you as a pastor for those who were committed for the fast and even those who slipped up, got back on. It wasn't for me. It was for God. But I applaud all of those who have dedicated. This is the last Sunday of January already who have dedicated this year to, I'm going to be fruitful. I'm trying to tell you the routine works. The seed starts on the inside, and it grows on the outside. Father, would you sharpen our focus? Sharpen our focus. Help us to stop being so distracted by what's on the left, what's on the right. Help us to see that you defy the uncertain. And for whoever, whoever is under the sound of my voice who has been traumatized by the presence of uncertainty, I pray that this word is a mind perspective word that shifts the way they think. Uncertainty is given for the purpose of our faith going to the gym. Help us to trust you, to honor you, and to keep you center. We give you 100 and nothing less. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody who agrees with that prayer, would you give God some praise in the house?